Welcome everybody to Podcast of the Week. I do my, I still do that. I mentioned this on Podcast Today many times where I throw throw my arms out to welcome you spiritually, even though you cannot see me, because that's not the way eyes work. This is not only the week of the Nintendo Switch, it is the eve of the Nintendo Switch. Later tonight I will be going to collect my Nintendo Switch, my neon blue and, and red one, because colourfulness is nice. Plus Zelda at midnight, I'll be going to get it. Also going to see Logan today, so cool day. Probably going to review Impact. Busy day, a lot of things. I also have to set up my room for the Nintendo Switch. I'm pretty sure there's not a plug around here somewhere, so something I'll have to give and find USB slots. I think my PS3 will probably end up end up seeding room to the Nintendo Switch. Actually, I think, that, I think I have a Wii still taking up a, a plug slot, so maybe maybe I'll get rid of the Wii, maybe get rid of the console from two generations back in favour of the one that's being released tonight, but there will be plenty more on the Nintendo Switch in coming weeks, trust me. Rather, this week we are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, Marvel's pretty cool film. It's a pretty cool film. Sequel is being released this year. And of course, as always, to talk through these Marvel films, Barry was kind enough to devote his time. Welcome back to Podcast of the Week. The 10th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe following on from Captain America the Winter Soldier is Guardians of the Galaxy and joining me to talk about it as usual is Barry. Hello! So we are taking a trip back to 2014, three whole years ago. Yeah, and it feels um, it feels kind of more recent I suppose. I feel like this kind of kicked off the modern era of alright, these Marvel movies are they're kicking ass a little bit and so that feels very recent to me at least. So yeah, it doesn't feel like that long ago the modern trend of these films being like actually good rather than like good with reservations yeah you know kind of something you know in, in the case of the last two like you go you seek out and you're like oh no this is one you have to go like these movies getting the hearty recommendation rather than yeah you know if it's saturday and you're doing nothing it's solid go check it out you know less of that more of the of the of the um thorough recommendations yeah it was directed by james gunn who i'm just looking at the wikipedia now wrote the scripts for the Scooby-Doo live-action films. Oh, really? Now, I, I knew him more from Super. Super is weird. It's it's doing the, um, the, the superhero parody thing in the vein of Kick-Ass, the kind of adult-themed, cynical twist on, on superhero parody, but it's hard. It's, it's a very odd film it's all it's also hilarious in hindsight now that he's now that he's produced one of the you know the most successful superhero films of the modern age but it's it's weirder than than kick-ass it doubles down on the surrealness in some ways it kind of really does feel like an indie film it feels like an indie kick-ass with a smaller budget and and much weirder kind of creepier undertones it's a very odd film but it's very it's very good i i did enjoy it um, and it's kind of hilarious that he, he went from that to making this glorious, big-budget, gorgeous CGI-filled sci-fi adventure for the whole family. Um, but yeah, he's, yeah. And I, I saw that Scooby-Doo movie when I was a kid, that first one. I would, I would see that in the cinema. Yeah, me too. Because it was released during the summer, and I was, I was doing summer camp in primary school. And it was one of the class trips during primary school, primary school summer camp. Went to see Scooby-Doo. Sounds good to me. That's that's a hoot of a time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I I do think there's like there is elements of 
I, I, do I want to say satire in this film? I feel like this film does kind of satire kind of the superhero genre at times. Maybe a little bit, yeah. Small small bits. Because there's like, there's Karen Gillan's character who is like the most over-the-top like depiction of a superhero villain. She literally, she just shouts at everybody and she's angry all the time. Yeah. Like there, there, there's the scene toward the end of the film where she, she jumps out of a plane and jumps onto a ship and she's like give me your ship and it's, it's like delivered yeah. with with like comical anger so I, f- I feel like you know and the, when there's like tension he always tries to undercut the tension whereas like where other superhero films they, they kind of go super serious where it's just like oh, let's do a dance off instead so I feel like some of like the satire elements of, of James Gunn's kind of like past did, did creep in here somewhere yeah yeah and and um you know, it's uh, it's it's got a little bit. It's a little bit. It's kind of violent. It doesn't. It, it certainly doesn't push the twelve rating. You know, on our, on our side of the pond, uh, it doesn't kind of push it too far. But it's 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 kind of. I think it's kind of at the limits. You got that one scene where the dude gets his his head turned around, complete one eighty, um, neck snap. You got a uh, uh, you know, uh, early on. Yeah, that, like, every time I I've seen this movie several times. I believe I mentioned on the last podcast I I've seen this. I saw it twice in theaters. Saw it, you know at least once or twice on Blu-ray after the fact, and then watched it this time. Every time I get to that scene, I forget that there's a guy who gets his head completely obliterated by a hammer. Yep. Um, in a, in a blood sacrifice. That's yeah, it's quite a scene. Yeah, it's it's you know I think it's 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 pushing it's pushing that envelope a little bit. It's got like a a prison scene, and yeah, it's a sci-fi space comic booky prison. But they're going for a slightly grittier shank you in the showers vibe than a Marvel film you'd imagine would typically go. Um, I think I think I think that's part of why James Gunn was a a good pick for this film. Is uh, this? I mean, we've talked before about how they kind of hop. The, the good thing about the cinematic universe is kind of hopping around between genres. I mean, this one they really really went. I mean, this is like a, this is a sci-fi epic in some ways, it's and a Star Wars it, film. It's it's very Star Wars. It really is. I mean, when I the first time I saw it, I I got tons of Star Wars vibes. I got a little bit of Mass Effect off of it because um, I was like, man, I, I wish there was a, a Mass Effect S game where I could just mill around this this city, this hub, talk to these characters because they've while they don't go too deep on it in this first film, they um you know little nods at you know here are all the races and here's the way they get along with each other and here are the police forces and and here is the the um the kind of the lore the giant head um of of a celestial being like here's maybe here who ruled here in a previous life like they they really plant lots of interesting seeds it's it's in some ways uh, full of sci-fi kind of cliches and odes to older sci-fi films, but uh, it, it seems like a very cool world that I, I, I look forward to exploring in, in, in more films. Um, yeah, and, and so they they really went deep on the on the the space opera stuff here, uh, and I, I appreciate it. Again, like as always, the, the Marvel films that, that, that deviate are often are often the most intriguing. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw this. That's like. There's a lot of words that I don't understand in the first 30 minutes of this film. It's just like they're throwing yeah. stuff out of building this universe. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and 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 they and of course it benefits on a um, on a rewatch where you can actually kind of keep keep a little more track of all these different places and people and things. Chris Pratt as a lead is it's a risky pick. He was a a, a guy on a very I love Parks and Rec. It's one of my favorite shows. But like Parks yeah. and Rec didn't have a huge audience. It was a relatively niche TV show. Like Chris Pratt wasn't like a well-known star. 
So, like, to pick him, while, like, and to remember, it's hard to remember now because he's, like, a giant movie star. Chris Pratt is, like, one of the biggest movie stars in the world now. He was an unknown. Yeah. He was, like, an unknown coming into this film, more or less. And, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's, like, it's hard to, it's hard to think about him as an unknown. Now, because of this film, I mean, this, this really did launch him in a huge way. And now it's like, oh, yeah, of course, you know, he's in the next one. He was in Jurassic World. He'll be in the next I think he's in the next Jurassic World. I actually, I didn't even bother seeing the first one. Um, you know, obviously he will then be in Infinity War. I mean, um, yeah, and and he, I mean, he also got in like ridiculous shape for this film, which is another thing that kind of helped. I mean, he was kind of the he was the endearing, slightly pudgy guy prior to this, by his own admission. Um, and and in this one, he got in leading man Marvel movie shape for the uh, for the uh, trademark one scene without his shirt on. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and but I mean they got their money's worth because they put it in all the trailers. Yep. So so you know at least at least it was worth it. But um yeah and and you know uh I mean just he's, I thought he was so seamless pretty much from the first uh uh scene he was you know charismatic and 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 likable and obviously very talented actor and and in a movie like this that's pretty jokes heavy I mean just fantastic comedic timing. And again, that's that's one thing that is a testament to him and also Gunn is uh, the movie is very funny and it's very snappy and it's snappy and with great comedic timing in an environment where there's lots of CGI characters and voiceovers and you look at it and you go, this probably isn't the easiest environment in the world to try and have chemistry with a little raccoon that's not actually there and a big tree guy that's not actually there. Yeah, of the you know, five leads, like one is under heavy prosthetics, one is he- under heavy makeup, and then two aren't actually there. So yeah, yeah, and like Batista, I mean, the the praise for Batista coming out of this film from like actual film critics was very odd because I think I think most critics kind of saw through the fact that like he's not really like a very versatile actor, but he's so perfect in this role. That it worked, and he's actually he was like praised pretty much, you know, pretty universally praised as one of the more enjoyable facets of the film. And it's like, and again, it's it's you know, someone who who it might be difficult to play off because um, he's he's charismatic in his own way, as you and I know, for, uh, you know, being wrestling fans, we know that he he has a great presence and he can be very very entertaining. But again, he's from he's from a completely different walk of life to, to someone like Chris Pratt or Zoe Zaldana. Um, it's just, it's again, it's a testament to the talent, to your talent of everyone involved, that that the, the chemistry is there on screen and 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 the snappiness of the, of the dialogue just works really well. And you get Vin Diesel and Bradley Cooper, two of like objectively the biggest names in Hollywood at the moment, and they're nowhere to be seen. They're playing CGI characters. Yeah, I get the, I get the vibe. Vin, D, Vin Diesel is just a happy dude who just takes whatever role he wants for the fun of it. Um, he's 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 swimming in in Fast and Furious money for the rest of his days. So yeah, I'll be a tree in this movie if you want me to be a tree. It sounds fun. In defense of Vin Diesel, he recorded "I Am Groot" in like every language that this film was released in. Oh wow! So like he he didn't he, just show up for the English recording. He committed. No, to this. no. Yeah, I mean, by all accounts, he seems like a, a cool guy. And of course, you had Bradley Cooper playing Rocket Raccoon, who's yeah, and I you know Bradley Cooper great um, as as he usually is. Um, I, I kind of unrecognizable. I feel. I mean, I've seen Bradley Cooper in a couple of different films, but he's uh, he's really given it his animated rodent voice. You know, it really doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like it's not like when you watch some 
kind of some kind of middle of the road DreamWorks film where they forked out for an expensive cast, and it's just the celebrities just being themselves doing their voiceover. Like, no, yeah, he's, he's Chris Rock is going to do his quick Chris Rock voice, and everyone's going to be happy. And Will Smith is another good example. Actually, I think Will Smith is always just Will Smith. Um, whereas you know, uh, Riley Cooper, he's he's working here. He's he's putting on this wacky voice that you would imagine this character to have this kind of shrill obnoxious little kind of rodent character it's 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 perfect it's perfect and then you have a, a really really good supporting cast michael rooker uh, digimon hansu john c Riley, glenn close who basically shows up in this film just to be the person to say evacuate the city yeah yeah and benicio uh- del toro of course Benicio Del Toro is, yeah, great. Glenn Close is kind of one of those... We've seen a lot of those now as we've kind of worked our way through Marvel. Just, just sprinkling these really great actors in these small roles just to, again, just to, to prop up the film just a little bit. Not that it needs it, but it's just, again, rock-solid supporting cast. John C. Riley as well. Good bit of comic relief in there as well. Um, yeah, really, really great supporting cast. Um, Benicio Del Toro is, is uh, <laughs> such a fantastic actor. He's so versatile. I mean, uh, and this being perhaps one of the weirder roles I've seen him in. Yeah, this is good because he, he's like specifically weird, but also like consistently menacing in this film. Yeah, he's not he's not like set up as a villain, but there's like a menace to him, and I think it's it's a really good subtle little performance. Yeah, I wonder if yeah, I wonder if they if they will um, return to him in, in the next one. I'm not familiar with. I, I mean, this this I mean, Phase Two and also beyond uh, now in, into 2016-17 with Doctor Strange and Al. I mean, we're now firmly in territory where I'm I'm being introduced to a lot of these people. I don't know anything about them, uh, so I I don't know if if the Collector has significance in in the lore of, of, of Guardians or in Infinity War. But um, uh, I watching it back this time, I was like, eh, I wonder if they'll bring this guy back at some stage because obviously he knows the significance of the stones and they and they didn't kill him and he got the post credit scene although he wasn't obviously the star of it but you know um yeah i uh, i i was intrigued to see maybe what they'll do with him going forward and he already has one of the stones from thor 2 so the the idea that oh he might have two of them now yes yeah i remember actually when i was watching this cuz i cuz i actually hadn't seen that post credit scene before before you and i watched um uh, and I, I was trying. I was, I, I'd already forgotten about it because watching the movie this time, I was like, "Oh wait, yeah, that he showed up in one of those previous ones." I don't even remember which one it was until you just said it there. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And this this is the film where they finally they introduce what the Infinity Stones actually are, as opposed to these just random MacGuffins spread throughout the the kind of cinematic universe. That it's like these are the things. It's important in this entire universe now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and it's it's kind. Of, in some ways, kind of impressive that they had all these other films that are, you know, coherent in their own ways. They're not lacking in any way for not knowing what they are, but holding off this long kind of kept it interesting. And um, and in you know, looking looking at the films we've had since, I'm trying to think have they really hammered home? I guess I guess Age of Ultron has um, built around Infinity Stones. Yeah, it's, it's built around one. There's one uh, in Doctor uh, yeah. Strange as well. Is there? I don't even remember. I'm pretty sure there was, wasn't it? The the, the whole t- the, his necklace thing that could stop time and stuff is an Infinity Stone. Oh, sure. oh yeah. Well, I, I only saw that movie once, so uh, it, it escaped me. But uh, but yeah. So um, yeah, finally explaining the significance of those. Um, uh, yeah, and and introduced kind of so yeah, really kind of introduced the two big uh, plot threads that will, that will be the climax of this whole series, which is, you know, specific, specifying what the Infinity Stones are and introducing Thanos. Which Thanos was 
first scene in the Avengers, wasn't he? He was in the post-credit scene of that. Was he? I don't remember. Oh God, my memory sucks. I don't yeah. remember that either. That that was the first reveal that like this is where the again we we've had the big fight for the universe, but there's more and there's a new villain. And oh yes, them. yeah, you're right. Yeah, and then they um they 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 have another little tease at the end of Ultron where he puts on the uh, the gauntlet. Yep. I I don't think you can talk about this one without talking about the music. Of course not. No, yeah, it's it's tremendous. It's fundamentally like central. It's and it's like because. It came up when when I watched Suicide Squad, which is a film that has a lot of music in it as well. But it yeah, feels like, it's... it feels like Suicide Squad saw this film and like people really like the music in this in that film. Let's just throw all of the songs into our film, all of them, just just every single one of the songs. Yeah, I mean, like not to get into DC talk, but like. Batman v Superman is like a film that I have like this contempt for because I just think it sucks. I think you can edit it any way, shape, or form you want. I just think it's abysmal. Like Suicide Squad, <laughs> I like feel I like feel bad for that movie because I feel like there was kernels of good idea and talented people and it's, you know like could have been. I don't think it could have ever been great because I think I think there are script issues going like before the, before scene one was ever filmed. I feel like the movie had script issues, but that is like one of the most painfully butchered films ever to be like released as an actual theatrical release, and and the music is just so evident of that. Not only does it not go with the film, but it's it's so lazily selected. Like they have that the the scene with "Without Me." It's like okay, you picked this extremely popular song from 15 years ago. It must have taken you two seconds to come up with that choice. You know, all all this and uh, you know, "A House on a Hill" or whatever it is for the opening prison scene. It's like oh my god, this is yeah. It it did feel like they saw Guardians and and you know and also slightly panicked due to the reception of Batman v Superman and and just took a hatchet to this film that that had the potential to be good but again i, I you know i do feel like the the superhero uh genre i mean it really is kind of trend based people it's there's so much money tied up in it that people when they see something that works they kind of freak out and say oh oh well well this is the thing we have to do now we saw it with deadpool as well right it's like and dc again you know dc are just they're so struggling for a direction that they did the music thing with Suicide Squad then after the success of Deadpool then they're like oh gotta do an R-rated Lobo movie gotta do an R-rated this gotta do an R-rated that um you know so so the the the, the leaders of of these of these uh of the genre really are influencing everyone else um and, and the music for this one you know really hammered that home uh, really great soundtrack, something you could listen to kind of without, outside of the context of the movie and, and obviously love it. Just a collection of great 80s hits. And um, I do like that they tied it to the character of the film as well. It's not just, here are some good songs. You know, you know it's, it's, it's something personal to, to, to Quill, which, which I like. Yeah. Have you seen Lego Batman yet? I still haven't, actually. There's a very good little Suicide Squad jab in there. Oh, now I really want to see it. Yeah, uh, I heard. I heard it's great. I love the Lego Movie, but uh, haven't made the time for it yet. Yeah, but the, the like the music is like this. This film would still be great if it was just like your your boilerplate Marvel score. But they're just that specific music, and uh, you know th- there are some big hits. There's like some Jackson Five of the credit sequence. You know, it, it's not like these obscure seventies gems right the way through. But it, it feels like they they chose songs like specifically. As opposed to the, yeah. the the Suicide Squad approach of you know what's the ten most listened to songs on Spotify? Let's just throw them in our film. 
Yeah, and and like the the hooked on a feeling which they used so well in the trailers. I mean, that was a great. I mean, the marketing for this film. I mean, they really took this unknown entity. I mean, relatively speaking. I mean, to be frank about it, you know, an unknown entity. Yeah, no one knows and, who that. And, no, yeah, no one knows who the guys the galaxy are. And they and they marketed it as this off the wall kooky thing that's not your average. Um, comic book film, and you know, even coming off Winter Soldier, which was great, I think it was the right time to play that card. Say, hey, everyone, this isn't you. You know, your usual movie. This is something different. And they had that great trailer with that song, and then in the actual movie, that song is used really well during this like downtrodden sequence where they're being thrown in jail. Um, you know, it's it's great. It's used to great effect, and then um, you know, in, in the the bar scene where where. Um, they're on kind of the balcony looking out, and fool, they got fooled around and fell in love on there, which is just such a cracking song. I mean, it's slightly overused, but, you know, that's not their fault. I'll give them a pass on it. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's it's great. It's really, really great. And, and the Jackson 5, obviously, at the end, it's just it's so pitch perfect. Such a great, happy song to go out on. With Dancing Baby Groove. Yes, which was which which made the whole... It was already a great film, but then, then it was upper echelon after that. <laughs> Dancing I, Baby I, Groove I, just I, takes it to the next level, doesn't it? I got my girlfriend a, a dancing baby group one Christmas. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, but uh, I was very proud of that one. <laughs> this uh, we like the the next they laid seeds for a sequel with the whole you know Peter Quill is actually from space thing. Yeah, and like the sequel is out in May, so we don't, we don't have to wait long for it at this stage. I am interested to see how they go for a sequel because this this as a formula it feels like the kind of thing you can do once. Hmm. And I, I'm I'm interested to see what they do to kind of make the the sequel different. Yeah, especially because there was a lot of I mean we talked at the beginning about oh the, you know the introduction to the world is cool and all this other stuff and and, and that that uh, obviously is kind of gone. Obviously, with good sci-fi, I mean you you know if your world is interesting enough, you can have three or four films where you discover something new every time and you you keep that sense of awe going for the viewer. But um. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, one of the minor criticisms of the film is, you know, it, it is kind of a standard get the MacGuffin film. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and so I would hope that one way, one way that they can keep the sequel fresh is, you know, maybe go in a new direction, maybe maybe go a bit more character driven. Uh, you know, but again, it, it's tough. I mean, as we've talked about before, it, it, with a lot, a lot of these films, it, it's tough to go in any kind of radical plot direction when you're be, you're beholden to this overarching thing, especially this late in the game, uh, when you're when you're so close to the Infinity War, it's like, okay, we we need to start getting stuff going here. We need to start getting these uh, you know the ducks in a row, and specifically with the Guardians because they are they are within throwing distance of Thanos himself, and they're you know they are more closely tied to the stones. You really feel that there is an impetus for for these films to really begin setting up the. Uh, the conclusion so yeah you know i get I, I, i'm not going to go into the sequel kind of expecting uh, a, a grandiose character study um but uh yeah you know it's 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 they're in a tough spot in that regard but if, if this film is any indication they can do it because totally different from captain america but this film is equally great yeah i, I watched it at, you know having just watched captain america 2 there a couple of weeks ago and i was like man I really do feel like Winter Soldier may be the best, but if it, 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 it's pretty damn close, maybe a tie. It's it's yeah, they they are they are really fantastic and uh, and and full of heart. I mean, Guardians is full of heart, which is great. Indeed. And next up, we we 
we team up again. Next up is the Avengers. What's the name of that film? Age of Ultron. There you go. Age of Ultron. I remember not really liking this one much uh, yeah. on, on a first viewing. Kind of functionally fine as they all are, but uh, I'll be I'll be interested to dive back into it. I liked I liked uh, Ultron as a as a villain. I he was uh, he was interesting. So we'll we'll jump back in, I guess. Um, yeah. So uh, we are we're kind of we're we're gearing up here. We're we're cu- we're catching up to the the current timeline, I think. So uh, we only yeah, have, it's gonna be interesting. What, one, two, three, four more films to go. You know, we, when we started this, there were so many Marvel films. Now there's yeah. slightly less Marvel films. Yeah, I guess. And then and then we have to start asking the question of what comes next. Indeed. When there's two films during the summer, then another one in the winter, then another one next spring, then another two next summer, and it just keeps going. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we go, Barry, plugs. Plugs! Uh, Twitter.com slash the Barry is where you can find me uh, talking about stuff. It's also where you can find me plugging stuff on the regular, you know, uh, various different projects. Uh, Barry Murphy 236 on YouTube, playing through various things. Me and my pals playing through Resident Evil 7 at the moment, working on a Game of the Year video on my own. So, uh, yeah, that's 2016, by the way. So, uh, please, God, let me get this finished before March. Um, Basically, but, uh, if you get it out before Dave Meltzer gets the Observer Awards out, you've won. You're ac- actually, you know what? You're you're right. I won't feel bad if I get that if I get that done. So uh, so so that's good. So yeah, subscribe over there. Plus, you know, also I just I just do various bits and pieces over there. Whatever takes my fancy. Uh, various hitman streams and, and, and things of that nature. So those are the two big plugs. I'm, I'm over there all the time. That is the show for this week. Thank you once again to Barry for coming on. And again, Ken, as usual, again, without whom this podcast would not be possible. I will be off to play my Nintendo Switch pretty obsessively for the next week. You can listen to new episodes of Podcast of the Week every single week at soundcloud.com forward slash TWSKK. You can subscribe on iTunes by searching for the TWS Network or subscribe on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at GarrettKidney, G-A-O-R-E-T-T-K-I-D-N-E-Y. Thanks for listening and bye bye. <laughs>